everyone and welcome to Ed Talks UK. My name is Rebecca Collins and I am one of the senior early years advisors with Hearts for Learning. I'm delighted today to be joined by Shadai Tembo and Shadai joins us with um, esteemed knowledge. He comes as a lecturer uh, from the University of Highlands and Islands and also as an associate lecturer at the Open University an esteemed early years writer and speaker. So welcome Shadai, lovely to be with you today. Hi Rebecca, thanks for inviting me along today. Shadai and I are gonna be talking today a little bit about inclusivity and diversity. And I wanted to start by looking at this aspect of what practitioners and leaders are thinking about when they're designing their early years curriculum. And what are some of the things, the key aspects for them that you think they need to consider in relation to equality and inclusion when they're designing that curriculum, Shadai? Mm, it's a really good question to start off with. I think the first thing to say there is that practitioners and staff members should already be thinking about equality and inclusion in their practice. We have to remember that all staff have a legal duty under the Equality Act 2010 to eliminate its discrimination on the basis of those protected characteristics, and that includes race. So as uncomfortable as these things might feel sometimes, you are legally required to meet that equality duty in your practice. But if you're not sure where to start, then I always say start with yourself, that self-reflection as a practitioner, thinking about your own identity and, and what that means to you and the ways that we're all racialized in more and less equal ways. It's a really important starting point before we go off and talk to the children and parents. Then I always say that it's important we get the whole team on board. Um, there's no use one or two practitioners doing this or just the senior management staff team. This needs to be a collaborative process towards anti-racism. It needs to be really embedded across the staff team. Only then that we've got the staff team on board can we start to look at it with parents and children, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of that content that we offer to the, the youngest children and, and that ability to build a caring awareness of others, is there anything that you think particularly in the curriculum is important for practitioners to think about in terms of just showing that that we are modelling that caringness and that awareness. You've also already said that we start with ourselves and I agree. Mm. And can you think of an example where that's modelled at all? Well, it's really looking at those kind of personal, social and emotional skills, but it's also more broadly understanding the world and understanding the cultural differences and the cultural differences between children and families that you know enable our community. Working with that and having understanding of the differences between certain families and the backgrounds they come from, for me, that's a really good starting point to think about how can we begin to understand the families? Where are they coming from? What are their challenges? What do they need from us? If you're not having those conversations with your parents and families, if you're not supporting those communities, it could be really difficult to have those conversations about race and racism and kind of broad societal issues that do affect how children and families engage in the earliest settings. So, you know, certainly looking at understanding the world and cultural diversity. Reflecting on those social skills between children, um, if we look at the research, it shows that children are aware of race from a really, really young age, um, and they're aware of those differences. So between children and nursery, we start to see it around two or three years of age, them starting to make friends on the basis of skin colour sometimes and beginning to differentiate according to, according to race. So being able to have those conversations with children as practitioners about positive difference and the differences between people on the basis of skin colour in a positive way, for me, is really, really important for those social and emotional development skills. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. And the way that practitioners approach the anti-racist agenda, I think 
there's a lot of fear sometimes that people are going to do things wrong and I just wondered how you feel practitioners can approach that anti-racist agenda in an age-appropriate way and, and mm -hmm. how that might look in practice. Mm. Yeah, that's really a question. I think a lot of practitioners are anxious about getting it wrong and, and saying the wrong thing, but there's no area in life where everyone's going to be perfect and you'll always get things wrong. The important thing is that you have the right attitude and the right commitment, even if you may get things wrong here and there, that you're committed to the anti-racist work. For me, um, it's never too early to start talking about race. As I've said, that children are already having these conversations with each other in the nursery during their play um, from a really, really young age. So if we're not supporting them to have those conversations, it, you know, they're learning differences about racial difference according to wider cultural stereotypes that are often perhaps quite negative uh, from the media and children's culture. Being aware of that and, and being able to have those conversations about children is, is one way of overcoming that anxiety. Um, and again, it goes back to starting with yourself and making sure that the whole team on, is on board because if you're really keen personally to do the anti-racism journey, so to speak, or, and you know, develop an anti-racist nursery, but one or two practitioners are kind of holding back, that, that collaboration isn't there. And that can be really difficult to have those conversations because you'll be having difficult conversations with each other, other members of staff, with children, but with parents too. Um, and parents is probably where the biggest source of anxiety can emerge when you think about how are we going to introduce anti-racism with, with parents. And my experience is that many parents will welcome this and, and they'll want to have these conversations. They'll want to engage with the staff team and think about equality and inclusion. And we have to remember why we're doing this. It's because racism exists in the early years and there's a massive knock-on effect in education and later life. And we need to be talking to children about that. So as much as the anxiety feels, as, you know, as difficult as the anxiety feels within practitioners, that often pales in comparison to the actual effects of racism for children and young people. And we have to really keep that in mind when we're doing this work. I, I totally agree. And I think having that open culture of feedback where it's happening all the time actually empowers you. It's like anything, isn't it? The more you do it, the more comfortable you feel with it and just creating a culture sometimes that, that is open to feedback and saying, I did this part well and I did, maybe didn't do this part quite as well can be really beneficial. Is that something you've experienced? I would completely agree. And we're not, you know, we're not telling children what to think. It's no different to our everyday pedagogy with any other aspect of learning. We're encouraging children to think for themselves. We're facilitating their learning, enabling their curiosity about difference and, you know, fostering that in a positive way. So, you know, we're not sitting children one down, down one day at the table and saying, this is what we think about racism, racism. And, you know, you know, this is what you have to think about other children. Um, there will be opportunities throughout the nursery day to have those open conversations spontaneously. Um, and for me, they're really, really good opportunities to follow the children's learning and interests and ideas in the same way that you would with anything else. But here we're just talking about positive difference and trying to challenge some of the stereotypes that children may or may not have developed about uh, skin colour and racial difference from a really young age. So you're absolutely right there that having that open conversation and, and not being afraid to, to say the wrong thing is really, really important when we're engaging anti-racism work. Wonderful, thanks. So in very practical terms, how can the environment we create, and we're, we're so keen to set up that positive, engaging environment for young children, but how can that environment we create and the interactions that we have with children and with each other ensure inclusion for all and challenge unconscious bias? 
Mm, it's a really good question. And I think that the environments in which children inhabit are really, really important in producing that kind of anti-racist strategy. But I also think that they're only ever as good as the practitioners to engage with them. So for me, it's really important that we look at the books that we've got on our shelves and really be critical about the stereotypes and character roles in which dominant perspectives are being put forward. You may have one or two books on the bookshelf that have black characters, but if that's primarily hand a surprise and you're not really reaching for it enough and you're not really engaging it, and sharing it with the children in a meaningful way, it's not going to make much of a difference. For me, I'd really encourage you to look at your environment and do an audit uh, and look at those materials and resources and the literacy books. Is there anything that's reinforcing racial stereotypes within those materials? Is there anything that's challenging racial stereotypes within those materials? Those are the critical questions. And, and for me, that's a really good starting point to go on and look at your wider resources, look at your displays, look at the messages you're sending out to parents and the messages you're sending about cultural difference and diversity. Looking at what reinforces and challenges stereotypes because obviously you want to be doing less of the former and more of the latter in terms of that challenging stereotypes. With regard to the interactions, again, there's that fear of, in, of getting it wrong, um, but it's important that we have those conversations regardless and we'll get it better every time. This is a journey. There's no end point to uh, challenging anti-racism in practice. There's no kind of, we've done this, we've done the checklist and then we can move on. This is ongoing work that takes a lot and lot of time. This also relates to uh, when we think about the environment and the material resources, sorts of festivals and weekly themes that we put on for children. Um, for me, it's really important to say here that we can't celebrate these festivals, these cultural festivals, unless we educate ourselves on the true meaning behind them. Otherwise, it can come across as tokenistic. So it's really, really important that we have uh, sorry, festivals and events that celebrate uh, the cultural makeup of the community you serve that are deeply understood and respected without being tokenistic in nature and just doing it because it's that certain month or because you feel you have to to meet a checklist. Mm, absolutely I think that's something that balance of especially if you're working in a school or setting that perhaps isn't quite so culturally diverse and making sure that we um engage and uh and expose children to wider than their their experience but balancing that with it without it becoming tokenistic and I think that point you're making there about really understanding it as an adult before you start to teach children around about it is is so important and the the things that you were talking about there kind of build on what I was going to ask you next which was around building psychologically safe and inclusive environments for children and I suppose it touches on the point that we made before around feedback but we, it's important, I think, if we're going to um, educate children around diversity and inclusion, that we do create a psychologically safe space to do that in and, and to make mistakes in. And I suppose what I'm asking you is if, if you've had any experience of creating those sorts of spaces and, and things, tips that you might give practitioners when they're, when they're doing that and how to do it effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that idea of a safe environment to have these discussions is really, really important. But for me, you know, what we mean by safe and that kind of safe environment to have these discussions, it's not an environment where you can just be nice to each other um, and be kind of rosy and, and all of those sorts of things. It's an environment where you can challenge each other and really ask deep questions and feel safe to be able to challenge each other. 
it's very difficult to do that with the children unless you've done that with yourself and, and your staff team first. And for me, that's the importance of making space and time to discuss race and racism, to reflect on how you're approaching uh, these sorts of things during your staff meetings before you can then talk to the children and create that kind of space that, that cultivates a positive understanding, but it allows children to, to be inquisitive and, and question and challenge their thoughts and really think deeply beyond um, safe in the, in, the, in the sense of just being nice to everyone. So for me, that's a really, really important point that we need to be able to enable a space that, that children can, can really think about these things and challenge each other um, and between staff as well to challenge each other on those thoughts and maybe pull each other up on things where we feel that our practice isn't doing as well in terms of the anti-racism commitments that we're putting forward. So that's the kind of safe space that I, I really want to see in the LEGS settings. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think you know, at the moment we're talking a lot about race, but, you know, it's the same messages when we're talking about gender um, and other inclusion, isn't it? You know, if we're talking about inclusion and, and understanding disability, it, these are all important aspects for children to understand. Um, and you're right, we, we need to start with each other as adults, don't we, before we can, we can move that out towards children. So, Shadow, how do you think those working with families can embrace diversity to reap the benefits of inclusion or at least minimise the implications of individuals feeling excluded? Mm, yeah, working with families is really, really important. And it's important that we see families themselves as a useful source of information to have those diff to have those conversations about cultural difference because they are the ones who um, may have their own background and histories that they'd be really keen to share with the nursery setting. And you know, there are ways that you can incorporate that into your own practice and begin to learn about different communities and cultures. So speaking with families is, is a really important strategy for me. And I guess that relates to your broader um, approach towards the community. I'm thinking of a lovely example with a nursery in Edinburgh who have been um, they're a predominantly white middle-class nursery in Edinburgh. However, over the pandemic, they've been looking at anti-racism in practice and the ways in which they can begin to develop that meaningful conversation. So what they've gone away and done is develop uh, a partnership with a nursery in Nigeria uh, and over the course of a year, they've been having Zoom conversations um, with between the children in the setting and beginning to look at different cultural differences um, and the ways in which childhood is constructed in, in Africa and beginning to just dismantle those stereotypes that children may have you know, begun to develop about black children in Africa, who, which are often seen as kind of poorer or kind of rural. Um, th those stereotypes are being challenged by having those conversations directly with children in a different cultural context. And for me, that's what counts as meaningful difference, working with different uh, families and um, community partners, even if they're not uh, in the same area as you. You can still make those partnerships globally um, and understand about difference in, in cultural diversity in a really meaningful way by having those kind of global partnerships. So some settings perhaps will be a lot, uh, not be quite as far on in that journey, but something to think about if you want to start making those partnerships across countries with different cultures, different backgrounds, different families, that might be something you want to do in the long term as a really good strategy to look at cultural difference on a global level. And I think that's that's an exciting way to view it, isn't it? Because we can become quite insular in thinking about um, race just within our, our own context, whether that be the setting, the school you're working with or the UK or, or, you know, Europe. But actually thinking 
worldwide around that is a really interesting way of thinking about things. Shadow, I am, it's been lovely speaking to you. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I am really, really looking forward to you joining us for the uh, National Early Years Conference in March. Can you just tell us a little bit, give us a taster of what you'll be talking to us about when you come to the conference? Yep, so I'm going to be speaking about Boys and Girls Unlimited, promoting a gender diverse curriculum in early childhood. And what I mean by Boys and Girls Unlimited is Boys and Girls Unlimited from those stereotypes that can so often hold them back in their earliest practice. So we'll be looking at what a gender diverse setting looks like. We'll be looking at ways to celebrate children who are gender diverse, in those early years. We'll be looking a little bit about LGBT plus inclusive education and really making sure that we're unlimiting children from those stereotypes that can so often hold them back and ensuring that diversity is at the core of our practice from the early years. That sounds brilliant. I cannot wait to hear more from you. Thank you so much for joining me today and and giving us your time. Thanks. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been great to talk to Shadow today and I can't wait for him to join us on the 2nd of March 2022 at our Hearts for Learning Early Years National Conference where we're excited to be joined by a number of keynote speakers including authors of Development Matters and Birth to Five. And places can be booked on the Hearts for Learning website following the link included.